Hi, everyone. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Uh, today, we thought we would take the opportunity to talk to a care expert, especially in light of COVID. A lot of people are having um, to make some pretty um, quick decisions or put off decisions for that matter. So um, joining us, I'm very happy to have with us is Bree Baldwin. She's um, with the Deborah Levy Elder Care um, Associates. She is a care manager. She's someone who we all seek uh, to talk to to help us come up with a care plan uh, for the elderly. A lot of those I'm assuming um, are with dementia. So Bree, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Deborah, for having me. So, you know, COVID, I mean, I I have been getting calls. Uh, we were talking about this earlier from friends who, you know, their, their parents may be in a care facility. Um, they're getting reports that their parents have tested positive um, for COVID. This is a really, really hard time for people who have elder parents. Um, so tell us exactly um, what you're hearing in terms of what's going on in the care homes. Well, you, you make a real good point. Um, people are very scared during this time. Um, the fact that we are unable to be in direct contact with our loved ones in most places now is very scary. And, um, while there may be some opportunities to connect with loved ones uh, virtually via you know, Zoom or Skype or, or some other type of video call, um, so many of the communities where our loved ones are living are stretched pretty thin and um, may not have the staff available to always accommodate that. So um, we are hearing from people that they are um, feeling like they're left out of the loop that they um, have to make, uh, you know, multiple calls to multiple people to find out how their loved one is doing um, in a care community. And it is, um, it's very challenging. It really is. Well, you know, I have to, um, you know, there have been people who have said to me, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about putting my loved one, uh, my, my parent uh, in a care facility because it's just getting too hard at home right now. But Am I crazy for thinking about this during COVID? I mean, it's kind of, it's daunting to think of actually putting your parent in a care facility, A, because you know you probably won't get to see them um, because of COVID restrictions, and B, out of fear that they could possibly get, get the virus. Right, of course. Um, as aging life care managers, we like to counsel our clients and client families that no, approach is a one size fits all. Um, so each family comes to us and we look at their situation individually. It may be the right decision for a family to help a loved one to move into a care community, even during COVID. Um, you know, we, we consider whether the environment where uh, the person with dementia is currently living, is it safe for them? Is it safe for the other people that live in the household? And by safe, I, I don't necessarily just mean um, where somebody is physically safe, but also are they safe from um, scams um, and other uh, opportunities for exploitation? We see that often. Um, uh, you know, how is their mental health? If somebody is living independently, um, 
they during COVID may be very isolated from family, friends, neighbors, and that can also uh, lead to situations where um, there is a level of neglect, self-neglect. You know, maybe they are not continuing uh, to um, be able to manage their medications appropriately or even get their medications. Um, same thing with uh, food and nutrition. So we look at all of these things and we try to help a family decide whether now is the right time to make a move. Um, of course, things are, as I said before, very challenging and scaring during COVID, um, but sometimes it is the right time. So what we would do as care managers is do an assessment of the situation. Now, of course, during COVID, a lot of times that assessment is virtual. We are trying our utmost to keep uh, clients and their families and, and our care managers safe. So where we would um, in the past have done an in-person assessment, we would maybe now start out by doing something virtually if that uh, works for the family. Um, when we do an assessment, we look at um, physical and cognitive health history. Um, we look at their current living situation, as I said. Um, we discuss the status of their legal documents, um, you know, things like powers of attorney um, and advanced directives. We uh, consider their financial health. And most importantly, we learn about the person. Um, to decide whether, you know, what care community would be the best if we're going to be making recommendations. So some of these things have changed a little bit during the pandemic, but we still want to look at the person as a whole, gather as much information as we can to help the family make a very, very difficult decision. So um, just w while we're on COVID and then we're going to move on to some other things, but um, while we're on COVID, I mean, you know, a lot of people too need extra home help as well. How do you make sure your loved one is protected? Are there, are, is, are there things we should be asking? Are there things we should be doing to make sure with people, I mean, coming in and out of a household, you know, your, your chances of, of getting COVID increase, obviously. So is there, is there a checklist of things that we should be asking when considering um, getting help in the house? Sure, of course. Um, when, uh, first of all, I would recommend uh, identifying reputable uh, care agencies. The reason I say that is because many care agencies um, employees are, of course, insured, licensed, bonded, that sort of thing. But if a caregiver is unable for whatever reason uh, to uh, provide care for a certain shift, you will always have someone that's going to be able to fill that uh, that care role. Um, also, many agencies are um, providing their caregivers with personal protective equipment, um, and many care agencies are educating their caregivers about the very important matter of you know hand washing and wearing PPE um, correctly. Um, I would say that if you are looking to 
hire somebody to come into the home to provide care, you should ask about that. What sort of personal protective equipment is being provided? Will the caregiver have additional education about how to care for my loved one during the pandemic? Um, also, you know, there's always the financial consideration. Will there be an additional cost for any of these, uh, any of the uh, personal protective equipment? So um, I would also recommend engaging with an aging life care manager in your area because they can give you, uh, point you in the right direction, um, help you to find an agency that is reputable and that will provide the type of care that you're looking for um, and also help guide you through the process of hiring and then overseeing those caregivers that will be in the home. Okay, so um, now I want to go to more of, you know, what we should be thinking about, um, especially with a di dementia diagnosis. Um, when you're first diagnosed, uh, you know, uh, everything is confusing and everything is shocking. And in, in some ways, a lot of people are in a lot of post-traumatic stress thinking about what's to come, right? And so where um, should people, I mean, usually it begins with a diagnosis of MCI, which later turns into to a diagnosis of dementia. Mm -hmm. uh, so at what point should people start formulating a plan? And what are those first, first immediate things that should, um, we should pay attention to? You are so right in saying that getting an initial diagnosis is shocking, it's frightening. Um, but once the, the news has sunk in a little bit, I highly advocate for preparing a care plan as soon as possible. Um, yes, uh, dementia is, is, can be um, a, a slower moving disease. You know, yes, some dementias move much more quickly, but um, I, like I said, I would advocate for creating a plan um, as soon as possible. Um, so again, that may include, what it really means is you would like to build a team that is going to be able to support you throughout this entire process. And that's true for both the person who is living with dementia and the family or loved ones. Um, so again, uh, engaging with an aging life care manager is a good way to start. A care manager will um, do an assessment and um, help you build the team that will be needed for support. Um, I uh, think that you should um, um, look at, like I said, legal documents. It's very important, especially in early stages, to think about uh, financial and legal matters while the person still has the capacity to make decisions about that. Also, advanced directives. Uh, same thing, uh, getting those squared away. Um, is there? Wait, sorry to interrupt you for a sec, but is there is there a point once you have a diagnosis? Are you still able to sign all of those legal papers? I mean, if if you I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the answer is not necessarily as black and white. Uh, I, I I can't give you a, a, a definitive answer. Certainly, somebody who has been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, or as we say, MCI, um, those folks are maybe in the very early stages and can certainly make 
decisions for themselves. Um, but somebody who uh, is in a later stage of the disease process may not be able to make those decisions, which is why it's important, ideally, to have those, um, those legal documents squared away initially right upon diagnosis. Right. Okay. And we have a question coming in um, from one of our viewers saying, what if you have a spouse of the person with dementia that refuses to make a plan or seek additional care? So, you know, sometimes it's, it's the other, it's the other parent. It's not, you know, you're, the kids might have a different idea of what care should look like. And the parents are like, we don't need any help. Right. Um, that is a tough situation, but it can be helpful to find a trusted individual, whoever that is, maybe it's a doctor, um, a spiritual leader, um, or someone, another member of the family who's maybe not as, as close as an adult child, um, some trusted individual to help the spouse understand that these plans need to be in place um, in order for the the journey to be a smooth one. Um, you would probably never leave your house on uh, an adventure of some kind, a road trip or whatever, without having a map, at least your phone, your GPS, and without having some sort of plan about how you want to get to your destination. Of utmost importance is quality of life. Um, to us as care managers and to our clients and their families, quality of life is important. So sometimes it can be helpful to discuss with the spouse or partner, uh, life partner, that, um, that we are building a, a plan and creating a map for this journey and, you know, try, if at all possible, to engage their support in making the plan. What if um, the home environment is becoming dangerous, right? If, if like one, one spouse feels that they can actually look after their um, wife or husband, but yet they can't. Right. Um, do the kids, I mean, are there any legal avenues the kids could take in order just to protect, you know, their, and make sure that their, their kids, their parents are safe? Um, each uh, situation is very individual and it would be hard to make a blanket statement. And of course, then there are um, legal questions that vary by state by state um, and location to location. Um, but again, engaging a neutral third party, whether it's a care manager or somebody else um, to um, explain the reasons uh, that maybe a move would be good. Everybody's situation is different. So you have to look at the financial picture. Maybe staying in the home with in-home care is going to be the better option. Um, but maybe making a move to a more assisted environment is also, um, it, it would be the better option. Each individual situation um, has its own variability. And so, you know, we try to take each thing, each person's situation separately and interact. How, how do you counsel people on if, you know, this comes up a lot, they, they don't know if it's the right time to go to a care, 
facility, right? It's like, I think people have, especially today, right? I mean, you know, COVID is one thing, but just in general, like when is the right time to consider um, out, you know, out of the home and into a care facility? Um, it's always a very difficult decision. So I will start off by saying that. Um, the truth of the matter is most people do not want to leave their homes. Um, many of our clients and people that we work with have been in their homes for decades and like living independently. But there are some things to consider. Um, can the care needs be met in the home. You know, some homes are uh, architecturally not uh, well designed for aging in place. Um, and also people who are living independently may be socially isolated. And if, if we've learned nothing from the pandemic, it is that um, social isolation is extraordinarily difficult and it can exacerbate um, the symptoms of somebody who is living with dementia. Um, again, we ask, is everyone in the household safe? Um, uh, whether it's, uh, are they able to drive? Many people live in an uh, independent living situation where um, they need to drive to get medications, to get uh, food, groceries, and, and supplies. Um, so we look at that. Um, does the loved one need assistance with activities of daily living? Those are dressing, uh, walking, using the toilet, um, personal hygiene. So those are questions we ask. If that's becoming much more challenging in the home environment, then, uh, you know, it, it, independently, then we suggest that maybe you consider an alternative situation. Um, one big thing to consider is medication management. Is somebody able to take their medications if they are taking medications um, appropriately? Can they get those medications easily, particularly now during COVID? Um, you know, we're, we're recommending that people try to limit the trips to the grocery store, to the pharmacy. So if they can be home delivered, that's great. But then what happens after that? Is there somebody filling a pillbox? Is there somebody make, uh, making reminders of when to take medications? So those are things that, you know, among the things that we look at when we recommend that somebody consider an alternative living situation. Yeah, it's 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 not an easy time, and you talk about that loneliness um, and social isolation. I mean, as care managers, is it? Do you have specific activities, or I mean, obviously people can't go and seek out classes, or you know, is, is there anything that you've kind of stumbled upon that we should know about? Um, I have some clients who have. Uh, have had help from family members or themselves are tech savvy enough to be able to engage in many activities um, online, on their computers, on their iPads, for people who are maybe not quite so tech savvy, but still have some ability in that area. Um, we have found that the grand pad or other devices uh, like that are, are bringing um, entertainment and comfort um, 
many families are now using like the uh, Echo Show and other um, home devices to stay connected with their loved ones. Um, yes, all of these things rely on somebody having the technology available to them and also the ability to use it. Um, but many senior centers are offering um, virtual classes and um, phone instruction. Also connecting with, if you have a village, a senior village in your neighborhood or in your area, connecting with them to see what resources they're offering during COVID is another way um, to help with the social isolation. Yeah, that's um, that. Those are some good tips in there. Um, we have another question um, from someone asking um, what they can do for a client who has dementia um, and is just in an agitated um, state and continually talks and repeats um, and has their own um, um, conversations. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can counsel us on that one, but you know, that's that's a a pretty you know not so unheard of thing when it comes to to dementia. It is not, and um, again, uh, because of COVID, when people are socially isolated, um, sometimes uh, dementia behavior changes. Um, so, uh, in in that situation, first of all, we want to make sure that the person has some sort of medical support. Many, many physicians have now um, embraced telehealth and are able to visit with their patients online or on cell phones. Um, uh, but also uh, trying to engage the person living with dementia in an activity um, can also help calm and um, bring about some comfort. It's a little hard to say if somebody um, is is uh, experiencing that type of behavior because of a medical, a physical medical situation, such as maybe a urinary tract infection or something, or if they just um, need you know the ability to engage in some type of activity. That's a that's a challenging one, not knowing the whole situation. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to sometimes make um, generalizations when you, you have very specifics. Uh, what about, this is another question that we hear a lot, like managing finances of care, right? Um, especially in the United States of America, it's like not so simple, Medicare, Medicaid, you know. Um, how do you advise people? What, what things should they consider and where should they start? Well, um, uh, yes, insurance, um, knowing uh, the what insurance your loved one has and, you know, maybe what uh, benefits they have through that insurance. Um, also investigating whether somebody has long-term care insurance. Um, long-term care insurance sometimes um, has even a care management benefit. Not always, but occasionally it does. So um, looking well, into that. Sorry, I just mean I want to interject. Someone told me that a lot of the insurance companies are getting rid of long care, term care, uh, because there's so many cases of dementia, and that would like you know cost a lot of money. Um, do you know anything about that? Are 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 a lot of the big insurers ending the the long term care? Um, uh, some of them are. Uh, a lot of them over time have consolidated. Um, 
we still there are still uh, long term care insurance uh, policies available. Absolutely. Um, they may not look like the what I call the Cadillac policies that we uh, have we, that we sometimes see in our much older clients. These are um, people who uh, have been uh, you know, paying long-term care insurance premiums for so many years, and they have these uh, policies that are wonderful. We don't see those quite as much. Um, and just for, to be clear, you have to, you, don't you have to take out your long-term care before you get a dementia diagnosis? Will, will anyone insure you if you've already gotten a diagnosis? Most often that is the case. Um, and certainly um, engaging with a, a, an insurance expert would, would be my advice on that. But also, um, even if you were able to uh, get a policy after a, diagnose, a diagnosis, I suspect that the um, premiums would be so exceptionally high um, that, that it, it might not, you know, it might not be worth it at that point. Yeah, a lot to consider. Okay, Bree Baldwin, thank you so much. Um, you know, care managers, I'm sure there's a lot of need out there, um, especially today. Um, so thank you so much for um, enlightening us and, um, you know, helping us to really kind of navigate the care world, which I know can be extremely confusing and um, anxiety provoking for a lot of people out there. It really can. Um, thank you so much for having me, Deborah. So if you uh, want to see this interview more or more interviews like these, then go to our website, beingpatient.com. You'll see a tab that says talks. You can reserve a seat. Uh, we have a lot of great talks coming up um, or subscribe or and subscribe to our newsletter where we will keep you abreast of upcoming talks and the latest news. Thanks very much for watching.